Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Niall Scott. Niall, welcome. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Oh, I am really pleased to have the double act, the other act to <laughs> Scott Baker Properties. We, we had um, Matt on earlier and I recorded his podcast and I don't know which way around these are going to be, but whichever way around, it should be you first, right? Because you're the Scott from the oh, Scott Baker yeah, definitely. I should be, I should definitely be first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll I'll just have to remember that uh, this one came first. <laughs> <laughs> it's no problem. You're both. Uh, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to these will both be released on the same day. So the spot spot Scott Baker Properties will go out on the same day, and you will be able to give the opportunity to share why you are doing what you're doing, but very different. I've got a feeling that there are very different reasons behind where you come from yeah I think there um the reasons why we we started doing it in the first place is slightly different well very different um but we're very similar in how we operate we're very similar personalities so we work well together um but obviously both very aware that we're looking for different outcomes so explain yeah explain that to me yeah so I guess for for me um the reason why I, I'm doing what I'm doing, the reason I became a property investor initially um, was because I, I always considered myself to be unemployable. Um, I, never, I never really enjoyed working for somebody else. Um, and I jumped from job to job to job over the years and I've done everything under the sun uh, from working in a frozen food factory, uh, which lasted one day, to working in a Weatherspoon pub to working for the, the in financial services. Um, and I, could, I never found the right fit. So I always knew that working for myself was always something I wanted to do, but I never really knew how to get started, what route I should go down. Um, and to be honest with you, I was probably just a bit lazy and a bit blasé about it. And I kept thinking, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll think about it later and just get another job. And, and after a couple of years, I get bored again and then start thinking about it again. But it wasn't until uh, that my father passed away that I really started thinking about uh, the bigger picture. Um, and I know it sounds quite cliche, um, but it's it, it was literally after he passed away in December 2014 um, and in March 2015, I started my property investing training. Um, so it was that short a gap. Um, and I had been introduced to training and education before, but I thought, you know what, I don't need that. I can do it by myself. Um, I'll work it out somehow. And then fast forward six months, nothing had happened. <laughs> so like I say, then when, when my father passed away, I realized that I had to actually you know, wake up and smell the coffee. Um, you know, we're, we're not here for forever. Um, and if I want to make an impact, if I want to be, I guess, have be happy with with um, with what I've created and be happy with my career and my job, um, then it's important to do what I like to do. And property was always something that I in well, I was interested in, um, and I'd seen quite a lot of people become successful by investing in property. Um, so I thought I would give it a shot, and um, it was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> so how did you get started in the end? Um, so yeah, so I 
one of my friends um, had done property training with her and her mum. Um, and she had been trained by a lady called Jill Fielding. Um, so I, I knew that this person existed. I knew that property education existed. Um, but back when I heard about it first, back 2008, 2009, I thought, well, it's, it's okay for them. I was one of those people um, that it was okay for them because they've got access to funds or because she's working with her mom or any excuse you can imagine. But it was, uh, I think, a huge mindset change or shift for me when I actually started investigating it myself um, and focusing on me, focusing on personal development, and then attending these training events and attending the courses that I realized that it was actually possible for me to become that property investor too, if I wanted it. So yeah, that, that's how it started for me. And it was on, on the training that I met Matt, um, who is the other half of Scott Baker. Um, and we've been working together now for about three, four years, and it's going really well. And how did you come about that mindset shift? What's, what actually happened? It was it was a process over a period of time, I would say. Um, it was definitely not something that happened overnight. And uh, like I say, I was I was one of these people that I thought that I could do everything by myself, that I didn't need anybody else's help. And it, that was a slow progress to get uh, out of that negative mindset, to think that I didn't need other people. Um, because I've, I've been discovering over the past few years that if you want to build a successful business, you cannot do it by yourself. Uh, you do need other people with you, whether that's in your power team, your mentors, your coaches, your business partners. You know, you do need other people there. And I think re- I'd, I've done a lot of reading, um, done a lot of listening to podcasts, been on a lot of retreats, done a lot of courses. Um, and I think that is the thing that has helped me change my mindset and, you know, just be more positive about the whole process and a bit more realistic as well that um, yeah, working with other people is fine. It's You don't have to have it all. You don't have to be the king, the king of your kingdom um, or queen, if that as the case may be. It's, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to have people with you. So it's actually quite ironic, or maybe not, that your business partner knew from the start that he couldn't do it alone. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it took me a while, actually, um, to get to that point because I had... Like I said, I'd met Matt uh, on the training, but it was about a year and a half to two years after we met each other that we actually started working together. Um, because like I say, I wanted to be, I wanted to do it all. Um, and after getting one, maybe two properties under my belt, I realized that it wasn't as easy a ride as of what I had expected it to be. It wasn't all plain sailing and I was working full time as well. So the progress was very slow. Um, and then when I started working along with Matt, things picked up really quickly Um, and suddenly instead of buying one property or two properties a year we were buying three or four properties uh, in a a few months Um, so that that was a big mindset shift for me as well just by going through that process and share with us what you're doing right now Uh, so right now um, we're focusing or I'm focusing on the property side of the business Uh, so I'm looking for new deals uh, so to building a pipeline, if you like, uh, of properties that, you know, we're ready to go when the market turns or when the market's ready again. Um, the, things are a bit slow at the moment. Um, vendors are reluctant to sell, I've noticed, in, well, in the areas that we're investing in anyway. Um, there's not an awful lot of new stuff coming to the market. So we're keeping an eye on that and just, just building that pipeline. We're also uh, 
finishing off some refurbishments of our uh, next level HMOs and co-living spaces. Uh, so we've got one in Portsmouth and one in Warrington. One of them is just going through three refurbishments. So we're creating the loft space and building an extension at the back. Um, and the other one is being furnished and uh, rent are advertised for tenants. So they're completely different sides of the or ends of the um, of the spectrum. Um, so that's something I really enjoy. Actually, is is that element of it? I'm I'm not a, I'm not a creative person, but I like working with the interior designers and the architects and creating these spaces, um, just using their expertise. And I've always find it difficult to say or to imagine what it's going to look like, but I can tell you what I don't like when I see it in paper. Um, so it's uh, that that's that element of it I quite enjoy. And we're also I'm also working on um, systemizing and taking more control of the tenant management uh, side of the business as well. Um, over the past few years, we've, we've been really focused on building the business um, and buying new properties and everything has been managed by agents, um, which has been really good. It's been fine um, and it's worked for us so far. However, as the business grows and as, as we evolve, I would really like to be able to bring that more in-house, have more control over it. And I guess uh, more say in what happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so we can we can pick and choose the people that we're working with. We're more selective of the tenants that go into the properties, that type of thing. Um, and putting systems in place and software in place that is more user-friendly and accessible for for the tenants as well. So we're not it's not just a management agent at the end of the phone. It's actually uh, a system or a piece of software that they can use that's specific to our brand or our business. And what were you doing before lockdown happened? Before lockdown happened, I was spending a lot of time uh, out on the road networking. Um, I am a social person. I love being out and meeting people and networking. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing networking events, doing lots of viewings, uh, going to site to see builders and uh, keep up to date with the projects um, and going to the office as well and making sure that, uh, you know, regular meetups with the staff and with, with Matt as well, um, just to make sure that everything was taking over. But I think since lockdown has happened and I've been forced to stay indoors, then I've really had a chance to actually reevaluate everything uh, take a step back um, and just look at at uh, how things are operating and whether it's actually going in the direction that we wanted it to go or if it's just going in a direction and we're following along. Um, so that's been that's been quite um, quite nice over the past couple of months actually to be able to spend that time because otherwise I would never have taken the time out to actually do that to stop and think and uh, re reevaluate the whole process. And what have you found has has worked from that reevaluation process? Um, I think what is what has really worked well is that we've discovered that everybody is everyone in the team is working really well remotely. Um, everybody is surviving and doing really well, probably equally as well, if not better than when they were working in the office. Um, so we were we had this uh, thought, and perhaps it's because everything is changing slowly since lockdown. But before this, we had the, we were under the impression that we needed to have an office. The staff had to be all in the same place, and we had to be there with them to to ensure that everything was managed and kept under control. But that's not. That's not necessarily true. We've got uh, our social media girl. She lives in Scotland. Uh, we've taken on some um, uh, VAs who are in the Philippines. You know, we've got people in Brighton. We've got people all over the place, and it's working really well. Um, so that's that's one of our biggest uh, discoveries over the past few weeks. And uh, we've also 
I guess we've just been able to manage even the refurbishments and uh, organize all the deliveries and the viewings and everything from sat at my desk in, in London. So I don't need to be on the road as much as what I had been. Um, so I think that has changed a lot. And what is it that is the reason why you're doing all of your property? For me, it is... Uh, well, initially, actually, I'll go back to why I started. The, the, when I started thinking about becoming a property investor or becoming an entrepreneur or self-employed in, in general, it was to, it was, I had this, this phrase that's banded around a lot as the financial freedom. Um, and whilst that's all well and good, um, initially I thought that was my why. But it's obviously just the means to an end. The financial freedom gives me the ability to do what I want to do. Um, and my, my biggest why is that I, I don't want to be reliant on anyone else to survive. I, I don't want to be tied to a nine to five job and have to ask my boss if I'm allowed to take a holiday, if I'm allowed to go and visit my mom, um, if I'm allowed to uh, take time off to spend with friends or family or whatever it might be. And I, I really uh, noticed that was it was quite a difficult thing to do when, when my father was really ill. Um, I was a contractor uh, at that time living in London and my parents live in Ireland. And if I took any time off work at that point as a contractor, if you're not working, you don't earn any money. So I had to be really, uh, I really had to pick and choose the time that I took off to go and visit my father who was really ill um, and the time that I was at work. And that, that was quite a an eye-opener for me, actually, because uh, before that, like the, the job I was in was quite well paid. It was a decent job. Uh, working in London, had a really good lifestyle, really good uh, social social life as well that goes with it. But then when I had to take that time off to go and spend time with my father, um, I suddenly realized, hang on a minute, if I'm not working now, I don't get paid. So if I'm not getting paid, who pays the bills? Um, and it was just that self-sufficiency that really was the biggest motivating or a biggest driver for me if if my mom gets sick in 5 10 15 years time thankfully she's well but if that came to that point then i don't want to i want to be able to look after her i want to be in a position where i can just step away from it and not worry about where my income's coming from and the, the type of properties that you're working on it's two different types isn't it yeah, so we've got we're again it's I guess it's like two opposite ends of the spectrum. So the the our our biggest one, the main one that we've been focusing on for the past couple of years is next level HMOs, co-living spaces. So it's creating community living and homes for our tenants to live in. So it's not a lot of people focus on the property, focus on you know you buy a house, you turn it into a five bed, six bed HMO. And then you look for tenants to put into it. But we're of the opposite mindset. So we think about the tenants first. And so what are the tenants looking for? If, if a tenant's going to live in this house, then what house do they want to live in? You know, how big do they want their living room? How many people do they want to share with? Do they want TVs in their bedroom? What type of Wi-Fi do they want in the house? And we think about all those elements and create the community and the space for them to want to move into that property. Um, on the opposite side of the spectrum, we're also looking at social housing um, because I've been very well aware over the past few years, well, obviously been very aware of it always, but even more so since I became more involved in property, is that there's an awful lot of um, people that are forgotten about, if you like. 
Um, so everyone, in my view, is entitled to uh, the same quality of accommodation, but not everyone can afford it. So we're working on providing accommodation for those that can't afford it, um, but still providing good quality uh, accommodation for them. There's a bit of a trickier market to get into um, and to work on. Um, but at the minute, uh, one of the things that we're really working on is providing homes for people in need of care. Um, so it's working with uh, housing associations and care providers um, to purchase uh, refurbish and equip properties for people that have perhaps severe disabilities, uh, whether that be physical or mental, um, and in need of care 24-7. Um, so we're providing those type of properties having, and the, 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 the fit out for those properties is completely different to how we would fit out our co-living spaces or our next level HMOs. But again, you're thinking of the tenants first right at the outset. Exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 creating the properties that are suitable for the tenants, not finding tenants that are suitable for the properties. Uh, I think that's that's quite an important uh, thing that we've learned over the years. Um, obviously, it, it's it's all a learning curve. Um, we didn't start off like that. It's something that we it's just grown and evolved. Um, and by working with mentors, coaches, having going, doing training, keeping ourselves up to date with what's happening. Um, and just being very aware of of the market and what's what's needed. Once once I got to the point where I was able to step away from the day job and sack the boss or whatever expression you want to put on it, um, I became very aware that there was more to it than just that because I then had more time to focus on the business. And the social housing element is something that we've been really looking at since then and trying to find the right way of creating the properties that are actually needed rather than just what we assume is needed. And who's helping you at the moment? You mentioned that you've always liked to have mentors and coaches in your world. Yeah, so um, mentor-wise, uh, Mark Dalton um, has been my mentor for about three, maybe four years now pretty much since the very beginning really or about a year into it um, and he has helped me an awful lot with just with mindset and with just being very practical um, and very I think down to earth is, is the way to describe how his approach is it's not he's not interested in the flash lifestyle he's not interested in the Ferraris not interested in the Lamborghinis he's interested in building a, a safe secure business that operates and continues to build and build on itself year on year um, so it's it's as he says himself that there are very few industries where you can purchase an asset and add a thousand pounds or fifteen hundred pounds per month income uh, three or four times a year uh, there are very few industries that you can do that um, and sit back and just let the money uh, come in once you've done it um, so he's been very instrumental in in my progress and in my personal development, um, bringing me down to earth. Um, you know, when you see that, I think we're all guilty of the shiny penny syndrome. You know, we we see these amazing projects, or we hear of people that are investing in, I don't know, in in Corby, and you think, oh well, I'm going to go to Corby. Um, or then when once you get to Corby, you real you see somebody else is investing in Manchester, and they're like, oh, that's better, and then you run off to Manchester. Um, so he's quite good at. Um, reining me in um, and just focusing on you know the bigger picture and getting back to the to the vision board and the goals and why what to, what I want to achieve for that particular year is. And why is it important for you to be 
providing social housing and, and building this pipeline for next level living? I think for me, it's 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 very, I think we've all got, um, it's very easy for any of us to be in that position, um, to, to have the need for housing. Um, and there is a huge portion of the population that need uh, proper accommodation and need to be supported, but just don't have the means or the know-how or the ability to do it themselves. Um, I guess as a, as a child, um, I was quite fortunate. My parents weren't exactly, were, they weren't by no means rich, uh, but my parents worked very, very hard uh, to provide for us. And uh, they got support from uh, from the council to help, um, you know, with housing to help uh, raise us kids. Um, and I guess because I've had a lot of support myself um, and because of those benefits and those uh, those facilities that were in place um, really helped me understand the importance of being self-sufficient. Um, so if I can help someone else now and help them realize the importance of self-sufficiency as well, um, then then it's a job, job well done from my point of view. <laughs> and have you found it easy being an entrepreneur? You mentioned that you, you weren't really employable, but how is it being your own boss? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, initially, I found the transition actually quite challenging um, because like I said the first thing that I wanted to do or the important thing for me at the very beginning was to get rid of the day job um, I did not like the restraints I didn't like the red tape I didn't like the you know the the rules and regulations that were in place whether I agreed with them or whether I didn't I had to toe the line and go along with them but when I as soon as I quit my day job it was like I hadn't a clue what to do with all that free time or that, not free time but all that spare time um, so I had been, I've been employed in some way, shape or form from the age of 16, whether that was in summer jobs, weekend jobs, whatever it might be, all the way through university um, and up until two years ago. So I stopped working when I was, or stopped working for someone else rather, when I was 26, or 36. So that was a good, that was a good 20 years of, t of my life that I had been in institutionalized, if you like, for want of a better expression. Um, so it, it took a long time to to adapt to my new life. And I think being, um, being accountable and having systems in place and having a routine was something that I did struggle putting into place at the beginning because I didn't really know how I should be doing it. I was still of the same mindset that I had to be working from nine to five and that was it. Um, that's all I've ever known. Um, so having to change that system in my own head was a was quite a transition um, and it was around that time as well that Matt and I became uh, more involved in the business and building the business and working together a lot more so having that accountability partner um, in the background was probably a lifesaver for me otherwise I would have spent a lot of time watching daytime tv um, or <laughs> looking for a new hobby playing golf or whatever it might be <laughs> So would you have changed things if you'd known what you now know 20 years sooner? Uh, I honestly don't think so, because the, 20, the person I was 20 years ago is a completely different person and in a completely different space to the person I am today. And I think everything that I have gone through and everything that I have learned and accumulated over that time um, has taken me to where I am. Obviously, we were all given opportunities in life um, and the opportunity to get into the 
entrepreneur world or become a property investor kind of popped its head a few times for me. But I don't think I was ready for it until that particular point. I, I guess, I, yeah, in the ideal world, I say, yeah, I should have gone back and given myself a good kick up the bum. But in reality, I wouldn't have been ready for it. I wouldn't have been able to manage or control it and I probably would have made a mess of it. Yeah, I think you mentioned that you were making excuses. Mm-hmm. And and what are you, what excuses do you now make? <laughs> uh, I think the excuses now is is time. Is oh, I don't have enough time to do that. Where again, I know that there's enough time. We we all have the same amount of time. We all have the twenty four. Everybody has the same twenty four hours in the day. Um, it's just how we manage that time. Um, so I am guilty of that. So I have to you know, check myself and remind myself that that's an excuse. What else am I guilty of? Other excuses. Um, I guess sometimes I think it's a confidence thing. So even though I've been doing this for the past five years, there is still a confidence um, niggle in my head um, that perhaps uh, I still think sometimes that maybe I'm not capable of doing it or maybe I can't do a particular task. But again, this is where having the accountability partner to you know, to wake you up and realize if if you want to do it bad enough, you can do it. Um, I think it was, was it um, Henry Ford that said, "Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right." Um, and that's something I just have to remind myself of on a regular basis: is that those little uh, confidence demons <laughs> uh, uh, come into play quite regularly, and I just have to bat them off again. I think you also have to remember and credit yourself for what you've achieved. And and yes, you may still have those confidence niggles, but actually look mm. at look at the different type of confidence niggles that they are because you're push constantly pushing through to the next level, through into a different stretch zone. So you may still have the same emotions and feelings, but they're applying to different things. Yeah, that's very true, actually. That's a very good point. And I think I think probably it is perhaps the curse or the blessing of an entrepreneur that we never think we've done enough. You know, there's always, uh, if, if, I, if I'm working all day, every day, and I take an hour off for lunch or an hour off to do something, then I feel guilty if I'm not actually working. Um, where it's obviously important to take that time off, to recharge, to, you know, just to, to get yourself, um, or to look after your health, if nothing else. Um, so yeah, that, that's a very good point. Um, it's a different level of confidence issue that's popping itself up now yeah I mean you, you've got a podcast you've got two bit different businesses that you're working on right now what's next on the agenda for now oh that's a good point um well I think we we're the the main thing obviously for this year is focusing on the uh, social housing and the next level HMOs the co-living spaces that's that's the main focus for me right now uh, one thing that we've really looked at, uh, really considered looking at in the past is looking at um, other businesses, perhaps businesses that are maybe not doing so well, um, buying businesses that are not doing so well, turning them around and perhaps selling them on. So it's like a, a, plopper, a property, a property flip, <laughs> get my name, get my words right, like doing a property flip. So buying it, refurbing it and selling it on. Um, so that's something that we would quite like to do in the future. So that's probably, I would say, another 12 to 18 months down the line yet. So lots more coming up in this space. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's there's more to come. I think what what we're putting together now and how we're setting up the business is is it's obviously it's going to be more systemized, um, so that we can be hands on or hands off should we choose to do so. I think that's that's extremely important to me is the element of not being tied to something. If I feel restrained or restricted by the business um, or by the job, as it were, when I was working, then I would become quite anxious and look to change very quickly. Um, so being able to put those systems in place and that if, I, if, I, uh, if I'm not there every day, that it's still the team is able to keep it ticking over and keep everything moving without my day-to-day involvement. Absolutely. And, and sort of understanding the systemization for a business is is crucial and is yeah. so, something that I, I recognized early on, but I, I didn't necessarily always apply it. I, I sort of got quite hands on very early and and wanted to understand all the different elements. I think that was the thing. And then after that, I was able to then relinquish responsibilities. But to sort of understand all the moving parts was it was a really critical for me going into business on my own. Yeah, no, that, that's very true, actually. And I just read a book quite recently as well, and it's called I Know What to Do, So Why Am I Not Doing It? <laughs> so that, I think that that rings very true for me because there are, I, I've been aware for, since day one that systemization and having those systems in place is extremely important. But I think like anything, it takes, if you throw mud at the wall for long enough, it'll eventually stick. Um, so that's why being around people that are doing it constantly being in those networking events, being in those masterminds, having those coaches that have been there and done it before you so that when you are ready to do it, then you've got the help and support and the guidance and the people there to, to back you up. Um, because it, one, like for example, one of the things that took me quite a long time to, to, to get started was um, putting the 10% of your salary away every month or the income away every month. Um, and I have heard Numerous people say that, and it was said it again and again and again. But it wasn't until I heard it after the hundredth time that it actually the penny actually dropped, and I started doing it. Um, so it it does everything happens at the right time, I guess, or in its own space and time. So yeah, it's just um, being aware of that. Yeah, that's the profit first model, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's really it's a really good book actually. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as a recommendation. There's quite a few books we've been talking about today <laughs> but I love the one that you, you just you just said I haven't seen that one but I live that life I know what to do but I'm not doing it <laughs> also why am I not doing it that's a brilliant title yeah Genius. it's very very good it, I've listened to it on audible and it's uh it's quite a quite a funny uh character as well so it's a very easy listen even though the topic is quite uh meaty um he makes it quite light-hearted and easy listening oh that's brilliant I'll look into that one Niall, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. And it's so great to see you working and, and reevaluating and looking into all of these fantastic social housing enterprises. I think I know that's something that's very close to your, your values and, and your business values are very aligned to your own values. And that I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Your why is your business why. And, and that's great. How do people get in touch with you? Um, yeah, so people can get in touch with me uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, so it's just Niall Scott. Uh, just search Niall Scott on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram. Niall Scott 82 uh, is the handle, I think it's called. Yeah, the handle. Yes. Yeah, I'm so with it these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that those are probably the best two ways to get in contact with me. And if they want to hear more of you, they can tune into the Property Jam pop- podcast. 
Exactly. Yes, they can they can hear everything to do with the human side of property. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's great fun. And uh, I had the, the opportunity of being one of your guests. So thank you for that as well. No, likewise, it's been it's been fun. Brilliant. And one final message for the audience, please, Niall. I would I think the biggest thing for me that I've learned over the past few years is that, um, you know, don't don't beat yourself up when things go wrong. Um, if 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 things go wrong, it's all part of the process. Um, so don't stop. Don't let that stop you. Um, like your the title of your podcast, focus on the why. If things go wrong, just go back to basics and reevaluate everything. Learn from those mistakes and just start again. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five star iTunes review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook and become a member of the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.